Hello and welcome to the Highly Strange Podcast. You are here with Sarah and Lewis. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. It's going to be a nice one for me. I'm laying back, having even brought my laptop. Yeah, it's all right for you. I feel really nervous of having all the time off and then Lulu's on the last two, so I don't actually think I've hosted for like six, seven weeks. Something like that. Maybe even longer. So I've got like the... The initial jitters. The burpees. Yeah. <laughs> which you don't get to listen to. So many burpees. Are you ready? Yes. Let's, let's just... I'm going to dive straight in. I vaguely know what you're going to talk about. As in, you've told me the title. I enjoy this topic, so let's, let's do this. We all know Hellfire Club as the geeky but somehow kind of cool Dungeons and Dragons Club from Stranger Things, right? People have been buying t-shirts and merch to show solidarity with Eddie Munson and his Hellfire Boys. However, it's actually the name given to a group of secret societies that started in England in the 1700s. Hellfire Club and their offspring have had many and influential members and guests within their midst, including one of America's very own founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin. Well-to-do clientele were known for their hard-drinking hedonism as well as involvement in Satanism and black magic. We're going to get into the history of the Hellfire Clubs, a collective name for highly selective and secretive groups that started in the 1700s. We'll get into how these clubs that were supposed to be a place for like-minded people to get together and be themselves without judgment became surrounded by rumours of devil worship and were even connected to a couple of murders. The main set of Hellfire Caves are in High Wycombe. You can go and look at them. They oversee the absolute shit out of High Wycombe <laughs> from a top of a hill. <laughs> I'm sorry to anyone from High Wycombe. It is a shit hole. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it came from nowhere. <laughs> they're very atmospheric looking. I'm sure. <laughs> sure they're lovely. So let's get into the beginnings of the Hellfire Clubs. Over the years, there's been multiple Hellfire Clubs, mainly in Britain and Ireland. Philip, Duke of Wharton, is largely credited with starting the first Hellfire Club around 1719, when he was just 21 years old. His film biographer said of, quote, his two men, one a man of letters and two a drunkard, a rioter, an infidel and a rake. Oh, a rake. <laughs> I'm going to start calling people a rake. <laughs> like the people of High Wycombe. They're rakes. Well, rakey. <laughs> <laughs> Philip has been described as, quote, somewhat shadowy, a conclave devoted to drinking lewdness in puerile acts of blasphemy. The members were all known for mocking Catholicism. Board members of these clubs believed that hell was a mere invention designed to frighten sinners and send them down the path of righteousness. Philip's club is said to have had around 40 members and surprisingly, a few of those members may have actually been women. But we don't really know because it's all rumours. According to Geoffrey Ash's book, The Hellfire Clubs, a history of anti-morality members of the club dressed as figures from the Bible and the members also appointed the devil as the club's president. (laughs) And in 1721, King George I quickly put an end to Philip's club. Philip had some political enemies who submitted a bill against, quote, a horrid impunity, which was clearly aimed at the Hellfire Club and according to the New Statesman. It's the only club in history to be banned by an act of parliament from King George. Philip, after his original club was banned by an act of parliament, went on to join another secretive group, the Freemasons. Oh, okay. <laughs> Then he died at the ripe old age of 32 in 1731. Some speculate that his death wasn't just from being really fucking cold in the 1700s. If it was from too much drinking, it sounds pretty much like a case of the 1700s to me, though. 32 is not a bad age for 1700s. No, that's positively, like, pensionable. <laughs> yeah. 
There were also Hellfire Clubs in Ireland. One of the first, if not the first, was founded in 1735 in Dublin. Members of that club met in pubs around the city. It's said that the Dublin Hellfire Club was the most violent and the most extreme. Their meetings would begin with a toast to the devil, and the drink of choice for the toast was drank from a skull. One of the leaders and founders of the Dublin Hellfire Club was Richard Parsons. He was notorious. A teen fond of playing outrageous practical jokes on members of the clergy, and he also reportedly liked to greet his guests in the nude. The Dublin Hellfire Club was also known as the Blasters, or the Young Bucks of Dublin. (laughs) (laughs) Jonathan Swift, of Gulliver's Travels fame, described the Dublin Hellfire members as, quote, a brace of monsters, blasphemers, and bucking aliens, the latter being people who drink to excess. What, aliens? Yep. (laughs) They would play cards and gamble and read poetry by the Roman poet Lucretus. Is that how you say that? I'm hoping it is. Yeah, of course, I knew that. (laughs) And they would eat food. They had names like Holy Ghost, Pie Devils, Loins and Breasts of Venus, and drink something called Hellfire Punch. I've been described as a pie devil before. (laughs) If you're wondering what Holy Ghost Pie is, it was pigeon. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes sense, because technically pigeons are the same thing as doves, and dove is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. So... Not many doves in Dublin. Loose connection, but, you know, we'll go with it. We also call pigeons rats of the sky. Yeah. (laughs) So the Holy Spirit is, by extension, a rat. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Controversial. (laughs) A few of the crazy rumours surrounding this club include members playing cards with the devil and being visited by a priest who exercised a demon from a black cat. The English Hellfire Club was banished in 1721. It didn't take long for another wealthy elite to come along and continue the tradition in that country under another name. So let's get into the second coming of the English Hellfire Club under a new name and a man who set it into motion. One of the most famous clubs inspired by the Hellfire Club was founded by Sir Francis Dashwood around 1746. When he was young, Francis travelled throughout Europe and earned himself something of a reputation among the social elite. He had a bit of a wild streak and was expelled from the Papal States in Italy. Again, I'm hoping that's how you pronounce that. He reportedly, quote, fornicated his way across Europe. (laughs) (laughs) He had a gap year. (laughs) Sorry, no, it's a gap year. Gap year. (laughs) Throughout his adult years, Sir Francis has had several high-profile jobs, including Chancellor of the Exchequer. Chancellor of the Exchequer is in charge of the purse strings of the government. Francis wanted his club to replicate the luxury, seclusion and exclusivity of Philip's vision, only with a much greater lifespan. He wanted to create a fake religious sect, one that intended to shock and ridicule religious beliefs through fake religious ceremonies. His clubs went by a few names. The Order of the Friars of St Francis of Wickham, the Knights of St Francis and the Madman Humfriars. (laughs) He gave it a Latin motto, which translates to Alistair Crowley's favourite, Do As You Will. Francis bought a ruined abbey, which he renovated to serve as the meeting spot. He also commissioned the construction of a series of complex tunnels and cabins on his estate. The entrance was designed to look like a ruined church. They're 300 feet underground and have various chambers, chambers, including a banqueting hall, a steward's chamber and even an inner temple. The inner temple members had to cross a small river that ran through the cave in the 1750s. It was meant to represent, of course, the River Styx, which, in case you don't know, is the river in the underworld in Greek mythology that forms the boundary between Earth and the underworld. Ghosts were carved into the walls, They thought to act as a warning, telling people not to go any further unless they were a member of the club. One of the caves is sometimes called Franklin's Cave, referring to American founding father Benjamin Franklin. 
Franklin reportedly visited the caves. He became a close friend of Francis. Another cave is rumoured to represent the ovaries of Bonner. I think, I think her name is Bonner. She's a goddess who's associated with fertility. The ovaries of Bono. <laughs> <laughs> this is also said to be a reference to paganism and also the Knights Templar. Francis's club was rumoured to include some of Britain's most senior statesmen and aristocrats and included prominent 18th century figures such as the 4th Earl of Sandwich. <laughs> John Montagu, the English painter and social critic William Hogarth, Another prominent member of Francis's club is alleged to be the prominent journalist and politician John Wilkes and Thomas Potter, who was vice-treasurer of Ireland. Labelled as apostles for the club, they were said to be elected and acted as the inner circle of the group. You know, when you say it all like this, our country is ridiculous. Yes. These figures and these rich people and all these bullshit. Yeah. And And is this really any different to the Bullingdon Club? No. No, it still happens now. (laughs) No different now. They also organised the feasts and parties, and legend has it that they had the first choice of women. Members and guests were rumoured to sometimes be asked to attend meetings in costume. The women dressed as nuns and wore masks, while apostles wore monk-like robes and could bring a guest with them. But according to one account, they had to be of a particular standing. Wit and humour were recommended qualities. Every member attending was allowed to eat well and enjoy the company of, quote, a lady of cheer. No. <laughs> <laughs> we would have been invited to one of these with our wits and... Yeah, yeah. I'd have been a lady of cheer. <laughs> <laughs> According to the website Historic Mysteries, and this is a direct quote, okay. women present were offered chances to entertain the members, the guests or themselves at any time. Oh, We're really grateful for those chances. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. I know. So pleasing. <laughs> After the club's meal, the inner circle, consisting of a dozen members performing a ceremony out of sight from other members, this rumoured to include devil worshipping. In reality, they were free thinkers who believed in neither heaven nor hell. One member of France's club bequivered his heart to the club when he died in 1775. The heart was placed in an urn in the mausoleum of France's estate, but in 1829 it was stolen. His heart was stolen? Yeah. By who? Nobody knows. Oh. Some stories say the ghost of the man whose heart was stolen haunts the cave, searching for it. So let's get into how the Hellfire Clubs got their reputation for being a bit sinister and deadly over the centuries. There have been plenty of rumours of satanic rituals like black masses and ritual abuse of women surrounding Sir Francis Dashwood's club, but these rumours have never truly been confirmed, just like literally everything in the 1700s. The English writer Horace Walpole did say Francis's club and its ongoing practices were rigorously pagan. During one of the ceremonies, the politician and writer John Wilkes is said to have smuggled in a baboon dressed in robes and mounted with horns. (laughs) It gets weirder. (laughs) He had placed the baboon inside a box that he could release with a tug of a string. When he did so, the baboon leapt upon the Earl of Sandwich. The Earl mistook it for the devil. Easily done. (laughs) That's two weeks of baboon content. (laughs) (laughs) And you looked at me when I mentioned baboons last week, like I was like, what are you talking about? All I'm saying is if you vote Tory, you hate Harambe. <laughs> Harambe was a gorilla. <laughs> Same thing. Part Absolutely of the not. <laughs> right, let me get through this because these are the precise words that he cried out. Ready? 
Spare me, gracious devil. Spare a wretch who was never sincerely your servant. I sinned only from vanity of being in the fashion. Thou knowest I never have been half so wicked as I pretended. Never have I been able to commit the thousandth part of the vices which I have boasted of. Leave me, therefore, and go to those who are more truly devoted to your service. I am but half a sinner. Have, what he said. have you got like a 2022 sort of translation as to what that probably means? Uh, blame the poor, I didn't do it. Okay, cool, <laughs> got it. It's uh, the loose translation. <laughs> it is said that the other members of the club had to, on the spot, shoot the poor baboon dead. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, RIP to the baboon. By the end of the 1760s, Dashwood's club began to decline and eventually dissolved. So let's get into a little bit of what they got up to in one of the Irish clubs. The youngest member was Henry IV, an individual with high standing in his community. However, when intoxicated, which was reportedly often, he revealed a much darker side to his personality. He murdered an ill and bedridden servant by forcing the man to drink a bottle of brandy. Henry drenched the servant's bedclothes with alcohol and then set them alight, burning him alive. He escaped punishment by buying silence from all the witnesses. Henry became disliked in Dublin quickly, especially by authorities who wanted to get him after he attacked another servant with a knife. While drinking, Henry was convicted and initially sentenced to be executed. However, friends in high places somehow got the death penalty overturned. Before he died, he spent his last years in exile in Nottingham, which is quite the punishment. <laughs> oh, sorry to the people of Nottingham. <laughs> so what have we got? High, is it High Wycham? Yeah. And Nottingham? Exile, yeah. Exile. Anywhere else you'd like to slag off? Kent. <laughs> <laughs> Milton Keynes. <laughs> yeah, that's on you, that one. <laughs> Shithole. <laughs> the bad press surrounding Henry's trial likely helped to precipitate the demise of the Dublin Hellfire Club, which had already been shaken by the attempted arrest of another member for blasphemy. One member got a little too friendly with his landlady's daughter, so according to the Irish Times, the girl's mother chased him through the town with a hot shoulder of lamb. Ooh. Which... <laughs> Sounds tasty. Imagine just being whacked in the face with a massive joint of lamb. The thing is, they can be quite big though, like a joint of lamb. Yeah, they and a, it's hot. Damage. Hot lamb. Yeah. Apparently, it was a big shoulder of mutton. Where was the sauce? The lamb sauce. Oh, I Where's don't... the lamb sauce? <laughs> I thought you meant like, what sauce have I found this information? No. And then the I realised you meant like mint. <laughs> A man by the name of Simon Lateral was one of the Irish club's most notorious members. Legend has it that Simon promised to sell his soul in exchange for clearing his debts. When the devil supposedly came to collect, Simon managed to distract him and flee after the collapse of the Irish club. Simon returned to England where he became the first Hampton. He outlived the other members. However, the best known Hellfire Club story is the one in which the devil himself appears. According to legend, a stranger joined the club members at a game of cards. Then one of the players dropped a card on the floor. He bent down to retrieve it and saw that the stranger had cloven hooves instead of feet. Another popular tale concerns a young farmer who was curious to find out what went on at the club's secretive meetings. Climbing up Montepellier Hill, so this is the um, Irish club, okay. he was invited in by the members and allowed to witness the, night ac the night's activities. The young man was found the next morning trembling and terrified. Tradition says he spent the rest of his life unable to speak, unable to even remember his name. A black cat features in one of the most famous tales. In this story, another young man visiting a local farmhouse goes to uncover the activities of the Hellfire Club. 
The next morning, he is found dead. His host and the local priest, believing him to have been murdered, go up to the Hellfire Club to investigate. Upon their arrival at the lodge, they see a banquet laid out and a black cat prowling the room. However, this is no normal cat. It's huge. The priest also notices that it has ears shaped like horns. Happening to have a small bottle of holy water in his pocket, the priest cat decides to attempt... The priest, not the cat, the, the priest! The cat had a pocket. <laughs> Imagine. God. <laughs> Things they'd put in him. <laughs> See, I have to work with this. A packet of dreamies. <laughs> those sticks. Dreamies are known to date right back to the 1700s, yeah. If you was a cat and you had a packet of dreamies in your pocket, you'd have like a you'd be like the Pied Piper of cats. <laughs> you'd just have them constantly following you. The priest decided to attempt an exorcism. The result tears the beast apart. Outside, the host is found lying on the ground, his face and neck deeply scratched by the claws. Interestingly, the name Hellfire didn't become associated with these clubs until later in the club's history. They were branded Hellfire Clubs after they were exposed by the media. And now they've become the nerdy yet impressive Dungeons and Dragons crew of Stranger Things, still linking it back to a satanic cult. That is Hellfire Club. Thoughts? I, I feel like you could do like a series of episodes on like the mythos that Stranger Things borrows from. Yeah. And it's definitely, I think they just went with what's a well-known sort of sat- satanic club. What sounds cool. Yeah. So I have some ghost stories from inside some of the Hellfire Caves, okay. if you'd like to hear them. I get, I get like vibes of like, have you seen Eyes Wide Shut? I haven't, no. Have you not? It's like one of my favourite films and it reminds me of that. It's like a bunch of rich, powerful people getting together in cl- with like cloaks and masks and they like have orgies. Is like Stanley Kubrick's last film, wasn't it? And that was his big. Oh, I'm reveal. glad to hear that they gave opportunities to women as well. <laughs> <laughs> women of cheer. <laughs> lady of cheer. Sorry, ladies of cheer. She's not a lady of the night. <laughs> She's a lady of cheer. <laughs> but that that was Kubrick's big expose of the Illuminati. Oh, okay. After he also revealed that the moon landing was fake, and I'll have to give it a watch. I've never seen it. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's got Tom... eyes wide shut. Is that what you yeah. it's called? Okay. It's got Tom Cruise. Oh, it's like his first role, isn't it? Yeah, oh. it's, it's before the um, the irony of a Scientologist like bringing out <laughs> information well, on the Illuminati. Maybe Tom Cruise was discred. Uh, now, fuck it, scratch that. I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> Would you like to hear some of the ghost stories? Go on. Then. During the late 18th century, the road through West Wickham was on a major coaching route between London and Oxford. Right, shit all that road as well. Yes. <laughs> Full of speed bumps yeah. and fucking potholes. So the local tavern, the George and Dragon, saw its fair share of well-at-heel gentlemen passing through. One of the inn's barmaids was Sookie, the local beauty much admired by the town's resident young men. But Sookie had her sights on bigger things, hoping to escape the small town on the arm of a rich suitor. She thought her day had finally come when a suitable bachelor happened to be passing through the town and seemed to take quite a shine to Suki. The girl was smitten and giggity. So, it says giddy. I wrote giddy when I meant... I said giggity. <laughs> and I meant giddy. <laughs> the girl was smitten and giddy. So giddy, in fact, that when she received word that her feelings were reciprocated, she didn't doubt it for a moment. A group of local lads, jealous and bitter, decided to play a cruel prank on her. They gave her a message, supposedly from the target of her affections, telling her that she must go to meet him at the caves that very night and to wear a wedding dress, for they were to elope without haste. 
Suki did exactly as she was bid, searching the dark, lonely depths of the caves, looking for her loyal, but of course, finding no one. When the local lads gave the game away, she realised the cruel trick, and in her pain and frustration, she flung a handful of gravel at the laughing boys. Still full of sport, the boys retaliated, but amongst the stones they flung back was a large rock, which hit Suki in the head. She was killed where she stood, heartbroken in her wedding gown. You know, go meet up in the dark caves. Don't she just seem... wanted a rich man. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to say giggity. Rich man arranges a meet in a dark cave. Oh, do you know what? That's where I believe that comes from, a rich man. We'll just meet in a really dodgy space. <laughs> it's no surprise that her ghost is said to still haunt these caves. Visitors have heard screams and cries from the hall that they attribute to Suki and the fleeting glimpses of a white dress flitting around the corner has been seen quite often. Staff report that some visitors have even asked if the caves have been hosting a wedding or fancy dress party in the banqueting hall as they've been confused by seeing a lady in a white wedding-like dress and one customer told of how they had witnessed a white ghostly figure cross from the left to the right side of a passageway. Being a complete sceptic, he raced down there to discover the cause, but found no one and was met with nothing but darkness and silence. And a face full of gravel. <laughs> Do you want another little story? Go on. Benjamin Franklin is recognised as one of the founding fathers of America, but it is often overlooked, particularly in American history, that he lived for a considerable part of his life in England and found it an agreeable place for a man of his talents. As a man fascinated by science, Freemasonry, politics, Europe and history, it should be no surprise that he eventually became a close friend of Sir Francis Dashwood. Franklin travelled to Britain in 1757, having already established himself both wealth and renown in the American colonies. Some of his notable achievements before leaving America included his success with newspaper publishings, the founding of the Union Fire Company, experiments with electricity and his appointment as Deputy Postmaster General for the colonies. Over the next two decades, he would energetically engage with British society and became a member of the Friars of St Francis. There is actually a cave named for him as a token of respect. It has even been alleged that this was the very chamber that he used for more intimate engagements while taking part in the rituals and ceremonies of the Hellfire Caves. There is a record that he has officially visited them again in 1770, possibly out of nostalgia or for some other purpose yet to be revealed. Benjamin Franklin's ghost is believed to haunt the caves where he took part in extraordinary things. Some say he is looking for something he lost or is still trying to hide something in the caves. Numerous visitors claim to have seen a man at the back of Franklin's cave dressed in old-fashioned clothes. Some American tourists apparently even claimed he looked like the man on the back of the $100 bill. Franklin's ghost has also been seen in the nearby tunnels. Those are my little ghost stories for you. Do you know how Benjamin Franklin died? I don't, actually. I think I might, I might be wrong, but I believe he had stomach ulcers, and at the time, treatment for many things for these rich people was bloodletting. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they would like let his blood to like try and make him better, but they did too much and they ended up draining him of his blood and he died. Ah, they like drowned him. Well, they they took too much blood out of him. That was... Oh, sorry, the other way around. Okay. Yeah. What does it say on here? Pleurisy. It says he had complications from pleurisy. Oh, I don't know okay. what that means. Sharp chest pains when you breathe. Yeah, and I, be I believe they bloodlet him too aggressively. Well, glad that doesn't happen anymore, eh? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Did you enjoy Hellfire? I did. It's very interesting, to be fair. 
like a bit of debauchery. I like it because I enjoy that it's now become really popular for people to wear Hellfire Club t-shirts and they've got no idea of what they're supporting in that process. <laughs> they're literally referencing a group of old rich people that engaged that in They murdered orgies. people and stuff, yeah. yeah. Killed baboons. Killed baboons, <laughs> yes. And they're like, here's my bag and my hat that has their logo on. <laughs> I but, like that. But Stranger Things mentions like, that references stuff like Project Montauk. And yeah. All that sort of wild stuff that you would have no idea while yeah. watching until you like go and research it. It's meant to be as well that Eddie Munson is based on Damien Eccles, isn't he? Possibly. As in West Memphis Free, oh, Damien okay. Eccles. Yeah. Oh, right, I didn't know who he was. Yeah, the main guy. Apparently Eddie is based on him, which he does look like him. And obviously he is... Oh, I, no, I'm not going to say because it, it could be a spoiler. Oh, okay. So, but just as in his history with um, how he was... Accused of crimes he didn't commit. There okay. we go. <laughs> I'm trying to do it without spoiling <laughs> the Stranger Things ending. But yes, there we go. It's very yeah. interesting. What I like return it. Return to form. And they're a, they're a cult. I like cults. I'm going to do more cults. The looks, I hope you're ready. She's scaring me. With that face <laughs> at the I enjoy cults. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start one. We, yes. If you could start a cult, what would you start? It, we'd start with the podcast. Yeah. And our listeners would become our members. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, is that any different to starting a Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> Give us some of your earnings. <laughs> and we will provide you with quality content. <laughs> yeah, we're running a cult now. Yeah, we're a cult Everyone now. join. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the story of Hellfire Club. Who would you like to recommend? Um, to the people that live in High Wycombe. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> and also, everybody. <laughs> Shall I go for Nottingham then? Yes. <laughs> if you're living in exile somewhere in Nottingham. <laughs> Everyone we've slagged off in this episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but we should recommend this to everybody. want to get the podcast out there. If yeah. you listen, recommend it to one friend. Yeah. They recommend it to one more friend. And then it goes on. And then we are the biggest cult since the Hellfire Club. <laughs> And we won't hurt any baboons. No, we will just take your money. <laughs> well, wait, maybe a baboon might be involved when we get too powerful. Oh, God. Okay. I'd love a baboon. Okay. Stick you, him in you like a one. little suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who is... Are you, like, wanting to be Michael Jackson? He had the little monkey, didn't I don't he? want to be Michael Jackson. <laughs> That's sure? going on record. I sure? do not want to be like Michael Jackson. What was his monkey called? I can't remember his Bubbles. name. Bubbles. Bubbles, yeah, there we go. I was I had Bobo in my head. That's a clown, <laughs> isn't it? Anyway, yeah, please like, subscribe, do leave, all the good stuff, leave, leave a, review. a review. Send us an email if you fancy it at highlyshangepod at gmail.com. It, it all helps us. Yeah, and have a lovely week. It helps us form the cult. <laughs> That you are now fully in. Yes. Bye. Bye. <laughs>